0: So now let's move into our lesson. Glory to God. I am so in love with the Lord. So in love with the Lord. I have truly enjoyed this better part of three months that we have spent on the topic of humility. And if we get through it tonight, tonight will be our final lesson on humility proper. Okay? So um, I'm just going to... I would say summarize, but it's probably a little more detailed than summarize, but I'm going to go through some of the previous lessons that we've done to bring us to where we are tonight, to bring us to the culmination, okay? So we started studying humility, and we defined humility, or God defined it for us from his word, but humility is having a realistic view of our own importance, A, in the sight of God, and B, in comparison to God. When we have a realistic view of our importance in the sight of God, that's when we say, I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have, and I can do what God says I can do. This is how he sees me, so this is how I see me. All right? And when we have a realistic view of our own importance in comparison to God, that means we realize that he is our creator. We are the creation. The creation does not come Higher than the Creator, so we are lowly. We are lowly because we understand that we come under Him, not unworthy. Because God doesn't call us unworthy. In the sight of God, we are totally worthy because He sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. But we are lowly because we come after. I mean, excuse me, because be, because we come under Him and because we depend utterly upon Him. We depend on Him for everything and that's just the way he would have it. It is his pleasure for us to come to him. It is his pleasure for us to depend on him. It is his pleasure for us to receive from him that makes his heart so happy. So when we have um, a realistic view of our own importance in comparison to God, we realize that he's the one who created us. We are not our own. He has everything that we need and he knows how to get it to us. Glory to God. And with that, that means we can't say, no, God, um, I'm thinking about the potter and the clay. If the potter makes the clay into a bowl, who is the clay to say, I don't want to be a bowl, I want to be a plate? Or no, I can't be a bowl because I'm too small. I can't be a bowl because I'm the wrong color. I can't, who is the creation to tell the creator what to do? So when we have a realist view of our own importance in comparison to God, we realize that because he created us, we are who and what he says we are. And we submit to him and obey him because we understand that we do not come above him. Amen? Okay.
1: Amen.
0: Okay. And so then um, we talked about how we must see what God sees. And we went through several examples. We talked about... Joseph, when Pharaoh said, see, I have um, put thee in charge over Egypt. We talked about Jeremiah, when God said, see, I have made thee a prophet to the nation. I have set thee over, excuse me, this day I have set thee over kingdoms and nations. When he said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. What was going on? These guys needed a mind renewal because they knew the situation that they were in. They knew what they had experienced previously. They knew of their own shortcomings. Okay. Moses. Oh yeah. God told Moses, see, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, a little G God to Pharaoh, because Moses was like, who's Pharaoh to listen to me? I have a speaking problem. I, you know, why is he going to listen to me? Um, with Joseph. This isn't written, but I can just imagine, but wait a minute, I just got out of prison. What do you mean I'm over this land? Um, That could have been an image that that temptation may have come up, even though he knew from a young boy that he would be in a place of leadership. So when God tells us things, Catherine, you are a prophetess. You walk in the office of the prophet, but Lord, wait a minute, nobody knows me. (laughs) But Lord, wait a minute, see I have made thee to walk in the office of prophet. I have called you to this people. I have, I have to, I had to have a mind renewal where I saw what God said about me. I had to align my my vision with His vision so that I could walk in humility and say, "I am who God says I am." I have what he says I have. I can do what he said I can do. He's the one who made me. He's calling me a prophetess. Who am I to say otherwise? So we have to see the same vision that God sees about us. We have to renew our minds and come into agreement with him. This is a part of humility. And then we talked about how When we are walking in humility, we're walking in the truth. We're walking in reality. Why? Because we're walking in what God has said about us. The opposite of humility is pride. And when we're walking in pride, we're walking in a lie. We're walking in deception because we have believed the lie. What is the lie? Oh, no, I'm not worthy. Oh, no, I'm not capable. Oh, no, I can't do it. That's, that's, that's that's what we would call false humility because uh i'm sorry no no take that back when we say that we can't do it even though god has said that we can do it we're putting ourselves over him and saying that our opinion of ourselves is of more value than what god has said about us that is thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to Also, um, pride is the lie. We're walking in deception when, oh, yes, I did this because I'm so good. Oh, yes, I did this because I'm so talented. Oh, yes, honey, can't nobody touch that. I'm all this in a bag of chips. Or can't nobody touch this. I'm all that in a bag of chips, right? When we think we can do it without God, that is also deception. That is also a lie. That is also pride. So pride doesn't come only in the big head thinking, I'm better than all this. Pride also comes in what we call low self-esteem when we think we can't do it. But if God told us we can do it, we can do it. And anytime we elevate our own thoughts above God's thoughts, even about us or particularly about us, then we're walking in pride. All right. So then as we continued studying humility, we looked at Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, where he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And as we studied that out and we looked at him, we saw that he didn't let his past hold him back. He didn't see that the crimes and the sins that he committed in the past, he didn't let them hold him back. And he did not concern himself with people pleasing. He wasn't much bothered by what people said because he had his eyes tuned on what God had said. To him. He had his heart set on doing what God told him to do. And when he went, um, when he spoke to people, he spoke to them with boldness and with utterance. And he just told the truth. You actually brought this out in the study. He just told the truth. There's no, there's nothing above the truth. There's no, the, the truth is the truth. And Paul was able to speak the truth because he was walking in humility. He, was, he knew that he was who God said he was and didn't let anybody, anything anybody else said um, face him. Not even thoughts that he may have had about his past. He didn't let that face him. So he walked in the truth of who he was. And you said, that's the power of humility. The power of humility is walking in the truth, and nothing, nothing can take away from the truth. Hallelujah. Then we talked about the parable of the talents. That's in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 30. And it was when the master gave talents to three of his servants. He distributed the talents based on... Um, the potential that he saw in them the one that he knew was able to handle five talents he gave five the one that he knew was able to handle three talent or two talents he gave two and the one that he knew was able to handle one talent he gave one two of those servants lived up to that potential he called them they doubled what they had been given and the master called them good and faithful servants he said come be my partner he was well pleased with them because they, Um, had the faith to believe that they could do what their master believed they could do. And then they walked in humility. I can do what he says I can do. And they did it. But the one servant, he, he said he was afraid. He was afraid that he would let his master down. He went and buried the talent. He didn't do anything with the talent. He didn't live up to the potential that was in him. And the master was very displeased with him, called him unprofitable, play it safe, good for nothing, and cast him into outer darkness. He did not walk in humility. He did not walk in, I can do what my master said I can do. I have the gifts, the talents, the abilities that my master says I have. He, he, he didn't do that. And that was very displeasing. the master. So we saw the difference between walking in humility and not, um, and how it pleases or displeases uh, God. We're looking at it that way. And then we talked about Paul again, how Paul, when he was called, this is Acts chapter 26 um, up to verse 19, but, and when Paul, when he, saw, he was on the way to Damascus, he saw the great light, it knocked him off his horse, Jesus spoke to him, and, and, um, or Jesus struck him blind, the light struck him blind, Jesus spoke to him, and then Jesus said, I called you for this purpose, so that I can show you what you're seeing now and more things to come. And then he explained to Paul what his purpose was. And long story short, Paul told King Agrippa, this is the one he's given the account to, and I feel the anointing right now. Paul told King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. In other words, Paul did everything that Jesus said he would do. He didn't say, But I persecuted your church, but I killed all these people, but I'm guilty for these people's deaths, but, 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 and, and, but the people won't accept me. But None of that. He got up. He did what Jesus had said that he would do. And he was able to tell King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And so we see that the outworking of humility is obedience. Amen. 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 So now let's follow the trail. Um, this year, the Lord has had me teaching on um, what he's had us praying for the body of Christ. We've been praying for the body of Christ that they would, uh, or we've been speaking to the body of Christ that, um, let me see, we speak alignment to the body of Christ, alignment of the body of Christ to the will of God. We've been speaking of fresh fear of the Lord to the body of Christ. We've been speaking that the spirit of humility Infuse the body of Christ such that the needed the necessary obedience comes forth. And we've been speaking a love of the truth to the body of Christ. And this year in Bible study, the Lord has had me teaching on um, some of these elements. We're going in order. So um, we started with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, that reverential awe of the Lord. Hallelujah. That reverential awe that says, God, you are God, I am not. oh, you know everything you have every you are <laughs> you are in control so you know what is going to be and and I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do what you do what you tell me to do just because you're God and I know you are and I am not. That's how we worship God in the fear of the Lord. And when we have that attitude towards God, then that that fuels our humility. So when God says, yes, God is in control, but he's put us in charge. So when he says, I want you to do this, yes, Lord, I am who you say I am. I have what you say I have. I can do what you say I can do. Use me, Lord. Uh, Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Glory to God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Yes. So it's our humility that gets us to agree with God about who we are and what we can do. And it leads to obedience, where we walk out what he has given us to do. And we get to see his kingdom come, his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. 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 That excites me. That excites me. All right. So um, this is the not the new element, but this is what we're focusing on tonight. Humility, the outworking of humility is obedience. When we, are, when we see ourselves as God sees us, that, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, I have this. Yes, I am who he says. Yeah, then we do what he says, right? So the outworking of humility is obedience. But what is the opposite of obedience? Disobedience. Disobedience, that's right. And so if humility produces obedience, what do you think produces disobedience? Pride. 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 Now, this is the definition of pride according to dictionary.com. Pride is a high or excessive opinion of one's own dignity, of one's own importance, of one's own value, of one's own superiority, whether these things are cherished in one's mind or whether they're actually displayed in conduct. You know, It's like um, there's the movie called I Am Legend. He was a legend in his own mind. <laughs> he thought of himself as a legend, okay? So there are some things that we perceive ourselves to be and it is all in our minds. And then there are things that we, we carry out, we act out, we act like we are better than other people, or we act like we are less than them all. You know, however it is, it's how we see it in our mind and how we carry it out. And it's when we have that high or excessive opinion of ourselves. That's when I have this excessive opinion, I think I can do it without God. Or we have this excessive opinion of ourselves where, okay, I know God said I can do it, but I don't think so. When we put our own thoughts above God's God's thoughts, that's pride. And according to dictionary.com, these are the synonyms for pride. Let's see if you can figure out the trend here. Self-love, self-regard, self-satisfaction, self-sufficiency, self-worth. So pride is all about what? Self. Self. All right. Pride is all about self. Well, now let's see. How does the Lord feel about pride? Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We're going to go to several scriptures in Proverbs, so they'll be easy to get to. And um, the first three will be out of the Amplified Classic. And the last one will be out of King James. So the first one is Proverbs chapter 6. Chapter 6? Yes, chapter 6. And we'll look at verses 16 and 17 in the Amplified Classic.
1: These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. Um, a proud look, the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. Amen. The list goes on
0: because it says six things he hates to the beat. there are seven. But the first one in the list is a proud look. And here it is amplified or defined as the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others, even underestimating God. Underestimating that God knows what he's talking about. Underestimating that God can bring it to pass. So, it says, these six things the Lord hates... Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. The first one on the list is a proud look. All right, so now let's turn over to chapter 16, verse 5, still in the book of Proverbs.
1: What's a proud look?
0: Okay. The spirit is right there. It's amplified the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. So you're thinking about an expression on the face? Yeah. Well, you've seen those people where, oh my goodness, I see so many expressions right now. You see that person where, oh, look at what they're wearing. Oh, look at, I wouldn't do that. Or um, you walk in the room, and you think you're the best-looking thing in there, so you're strutting your stuff, and you know, and and you're on purpose not looking at people who want to say hello to you because you're way too cool to say hello to them. Um, a proud look could manifest as um, looking at someone angrily just because they stepped in the room. You know, like they, it could take on many expressions. <laughs> All of but these expressions, all of these facial expressions are fueled by the spirit that overestimates himself and underestimates others. In other words, that says, I am better than you. I'm better than you because I can do this better than you. I'm better than you because you're just not very much. I'm better than you because whatever, whatever, whatever. That's, that's that spirit, a proud
1: look. That most of the times I don't relate to pride, you know, except through a false, a way of protecting this weak self.
0: And so, and what are some of the ways one would
1: do that? The things that keep people at a distance, so that uh, it's they won't see how weak I am.
0: Okay, so what are some of those behaviors?
1: I I don't deep down. I don't think of myself as better. I think of myself quite less than. Okay, but what are that's the- why I say that thing about I can I can do what God says I can do and I, I am who God says I am, are really important to me because it kind of stabilizes my boat. Right, right.
0: But hold on. we're gonna,
1: That's a great point. That's a
0: great point. So that's why I want to ask. Just give me one behavior. What's one behavior that you engage in that keeps people at a distance so they can't see what you're trying to hide?
1: I don't know how I do it. I just know I do it. Okay. I'll I, 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 mean, I don't speak of a lot of things. You know, I don't talk about things. And I think sometimes, or maybe most times, when I talk about it, I talk about it as if I know it when I might not really know it. There you go. That's an act.
0: That that's a proud look. Um overestimating himself and underestimating others. Even if you estimate yourself lowly and you shrink back from people, you have made yourself so important in your own mind. You have so overestimated yourself in your own mind that it affects how you relate to others. I'll give you an example of what I used to do. This was years ago, years ago. But I would only surround myself with people that I considered less attractive than me. Why? Because I didn't think I was very pretty. So my proud behavior, my proud look, my proud expression, my overestimation of myself was to surround me with people that I thought I had the physical edge over, whether I thought I looked prettier because then I would feel prettier. And even though I may have like genuinely liked these girls, I still had an ulterior motive for choosing them that suited my own purpose. Okay. So a proud look isn't just, and you know what? I'd be happy to study this out more, but I believe we're getting Rhema from Holy Spirit right now. It's not just a facial expression. Maybe it's the way that you look at the situation, a proud look at the situation. Overestimating yourself. Um I'm going to tell you, so I'm, this is probably going to be like, whew. Keith Moore tore me up. I'm serious. It's like, oh my gosh. And he's such a gentle teacher, but Lord have mercy, I got tore up. And he says, you know, even when you, when people have to wait on you all the time, like you're always late and you're just taking your own sweet little time, that's saying that you think your time is more important than theirs. And And that's not because to me, I feel like I'm rushing. I'm rushing. I'm going as fast as I can. Yeah. But Catherine, if you had gotten up half an hour earlier or Catherine, if you had turned off your computer 15 minutes earlier, or Catherine, if you had set out your clothes the night before. And I'm not lying. um, Punctuality is something that I've struggled with my whole entire life in school. The only thing I ever went to detention for was tardiness. And I was all, I mean, I was always the same amount tardy every, my teachers knew I would be there, but I would get there like two minutes after the bell. I don't know why, just tardiness with everything all the time. And I thought it was, you know, procrastination. I thought it was this, I thought it was that. But after studying this lesson on humility and then hearing the teaching from uh, Brother Keith, it's like, you know what, I bet you if, 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 if I let God handle this pride issue in me, every issue of my life would be cleared up. Every single one. Every single one. Things that I do, things that I've struggled with for years, things that I've gotten better at, things that, but you know what, it seems to me that pride might be the root And I'm not saying that once we deal with pride, it's dealt with forever. It's not. Or even that once we deal with pride, then all my problems are solved. I'm not even saying that. But I'm saying, wow. I look at all the little offshoots, all the little things that I've struggled with, and all the ways I've tried to deal with them, and all the ways I've submitted them to the Lord, all the ways, and I believe God has brought me to the point where he showed me that the root of these things is pride. And I was like, wow. So even feeling like others are more important than us. Even feeling like, you know, what you described, that's pride. That's a proud look. Because it's the way that you're looking at it instead of the way God has spoken it. Pride equals a lie, deception. Humility equals reality, equals the truth. And when we see ourselves as God sees us, and walk accordingly, then we don't have a proud look, because we see things exactly. Ooh, this goes back to what the Lord gave me, 2020, perfect vision. Ooh, Lord, we thank you. All right, these six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. That first one is a proud look. All right, let's look at Proverbs 8, verse 13. Amplified classic again. It says, the reverent fear and worshipful awe of the Lord includes the hatred of evil. Pride, arrogance, the evil way, and perverted and twisted speech I hate. So, the, the reverent fear and worshipful awe of the Lord, I just want to point that out. That's the fear of the Lord. All right. It includes the hatred of evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, and perverted and twisted speech. I hate. Are we seeing a trend? How does the Lord feel about pride?
1: He doesn't like it.
0: What's the word that's used repeatedly here in the scriptures?
1: I don't like to say the word hate. Well,
0: that's how he feels about it. We've got to say what God says. Can't water it down. Because you know what? If God hates it, how should we feel about it?
1: We should hate it.
0: Yes, but if we're watering it down, even in our words, he doesn't like it. Well, then, if we're aligning ourselves with that thought process, then we just don't like it. There's not a strong aversion to it like God has. We've got to call it what he calls it. He hates it. I understand what you're saying. But there's a reason this strong a word is used. This is how strongly the Lord doesn't like hate. This is how strong, I mean, doesn't like pride. This is how strongly he feels about it. Okay? Okay. All right. Um, Proverbs chapter 16,
1: verse 5. Amplified classic, please. Everyone proud and arrogant in heart is disgusting, hateful, and exceedingly offensive to the Lord. Be assured, I pledge it, they will not go unpunished. Okay every proud and arrogant
0: everyone proud and arrogant in heart is disgusting hateful and exceedingly offensive to the lord so how does he feel about the proud and the arrogant in heart
1: disgusted
0: <laughs> yes disgusted he says they're disgusting they're hateful and uh, exceedingly offensive so this is the time you could have said <laughs> exceedingly offensive. In the um, King James version it says everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Pride is an abomination to the Lord that absolutely hates pride. Last one let's go to Proverbs 21 4 in the King James version.
1: A high look and a proud heart and the Plowing of the wicked is sin. So, what is a high look? What is a proud heart? What does it boil down to?
0: Sin. Sin, absolutely. Absolutely. God hates pride, He hates sin.
1: Why? Because it's not the truth. Hmm, that's good, because
0: it's not the truth. It's not the truth. And what does the truth do? And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Free. So if the truth makes us free, but pride is not the truth, pride is a lie, what does pride do? It doesn't make you free, so what does it make you? Trapped. Trapped. It makes you bound. It makes you captive. Does God want us to live lives of captivity?
1: No. Does
0: he want us to live lives of bondage? No. No. So the reason God hates pride is not because it makes you a bad person. The reason God hates pride is because it keeps you from living the life of freedom that he came for you to have. It keeps you from living the. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. It keeps you from living the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. And I'm going to you write these scriptures down. I'm going to turn to them and read them um, very quickly. Okay, Proverbs 11:2, in the Amplified Classic, it says, "When swelling and pride come, then emptiness and shame come also." Did Jesus come for us to have emptiness and shame? No. 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 He came for us to have life and life more abundantly. That's in John 10.10. Okay, now I'm going to read, and you can write it down, Proverbs 16.18. It says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Okay, so there's destruction and the fall there. And then I will turn to Proverbs 29, oh. verse 23. And it says, a man's pride shall bring him low. Low, 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 low. Does God <laughs> want us to live low? Low. No. Did he come for us to live the low life? No. No. As a matter of fact, Deuteronomy 28, 13, it says, And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, thou shalt not be beneath. So the effects of pride are that they bring about emptiness and shame when God wants us to live the abundant life that Jesus came for us to have. The effect of pride is that there will be destruction, and a fall, and men will be brought low when God has declared that his people will be the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. God hates pride because it keeps people from living the life that God has for them. God hates pride because he loves us, Amen. Uh huh. Amen. Okay, so I just want to—I um, want to close out the topic of humility properly, but we only have a few more minutes, so let me just say like this: Let me reiterate, pride equals a lie. Humility equals the truth. Pride is to believe a deception. The deception that we can do it in our own strength, or we can do it on our own. Or the deception that we can't do it, even with God's help. We can't do it, even though God says we can. Pride is the outworking of self-love, which manifests itself. This goes to what you were talking about earlier when you behave and you engage in behaviors that keep others at a distance, so they won't really find out, you know, what's going on with you. Um, self-love manifests itself as self-preservation, like keeping others away. Um, self-justification. Well, I can do this. I can do this. You know, or I can do this better than so and so, or you know, whatever it is. Pride believes lies about itself, and it tells lies. I can't do this. I'm not good enough for this. So Pride believes lies about itself, and it tells lies. Pride tries to project and maintain a false image that portrays I'm something that I'm not. I understand something that I don't. I have something that I don't. I'm in a place spiritually where I'm not. This is what pride does. And when we live by these lies, then we live in bondage. And that grieves God's heart because that's not what he has for us. That's why he hates pride. Because if it goes with what we're studying about, he has pleasure in our prosperity, And as much pleasure as he has in our prosperity, that's how much displeasure he has in anything that keeps us from prosperity, pride is one of those things. Because it keeps us from experiencing God's prosperity. It keeps us from living the life that God wants us to have. And so this is why it is important for us, for the body of Christ, to have a love of the truth. And I'm not just talking about theoretically a love of the truth of the word of God, a love of the truth of God, a love of the truth versus a lie, but also a love of the truth about what God says about us. We must have a love of the truth. So now going back, pride equals a lie, humility equals the truth. When we walk in humility, we are walking in the truth. When we walk in humility, we are walking in um, reality. We are believing the truth and walking in the reality that I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. And I can do what God says I can do. And the outworking of that humility is obedience. And so I just want to close with this last scripture. It's actually the scripture we began with when we um, began talking about humility. It's Proverbs 22, Proverbs chapter 22. And you can turn to it with me and put your eyes on it. I'll read it. Proverbs 22, verse 4. And I'll read it in the Amplified Classic. It says, The reward of humility and the reverent worshipful fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Now let me read it out of the King James. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. When we walk in the truth that God is who he says he is, that's the fear of the Lord. And we walk in the truth of what God says about us. That's humility. There's a reward. The reward is riches and honor and life. In other words, we get to experience all that God has for us. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 To God be the glory. Thank you, Lord.